You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy, brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I am your host, Dan Healy. Before we come on to today's episode, as always, check out the YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV. That is where we host our game day from the UK live pre-game streaming shows. They're always hosted at 8.30 UK time, which is 3.30 in the US Eastern. So it's a good start. It's a kickstart to your game day coverage. Come and join us over there, always at Miami Heat UK on YouTube. Loads of other stuff going on there as well. You have all of our podcast episodes i've just recorded this week's shot recreation of the week which was fun uh, that will be edited tonight and will be live tonight so check that out too hit the subscribe button on to today's episode and i'm joined by one of the best it's mr david ramil from locked on heats david how are you sir i'm doing great i haven't seen you since you were uh behind the scenes in the media interview room at fdx arena at least fdx arena for now we'll see what it's yes. called eventually but yeah there you were uh, taking it all in and uh, enjoying the moment. A well-deserved one for you. Uh, it was um, incredible memories. Honestly, I don't exaggerate. Daily, I just, I know it was only a month ago, really, but daily I come back and just, I just think about it all the time. Just being there in front of Spo on the court, standing, you know, feet away from my heroes, really. Um, just an <laughs> incredible experience. And of course, got to meet some fabulous people, including your good self. So uh, yes, was very, very good. So uh, great to have you on again, my man. Um, Thank you so the much. Heat are at a quarter season stage, and we'll come on to some of it, that at the moment, uh, in a little while. But first of all, we are in this sort of split between the the, the two Boston games, uh, which is interesting. Um, Miami's stuttering start to the season continues. But a different one with this one after going behind very, very um, large deficit uh, early on that we managed to claw that back. And despite an L, David, it was an encouraging performance. It was good performance. You don't mind losing games when you see, you know, this heat, this short-handed heat team compete with a, a team that is head and shoulders, in my opinion, the best in the league right now. So an encouraging performance, something to build upon. I agree. I, I know a lot of Heat fans won't take solace in that, but the reality is that, you know, Boston is very good. They're very deep. They've been extremely on point this whole season. Their shooting and passing has been exceptional. Their defense is still pretty good, although they were a little porous against Miami on Wednesday. But it was a strong performance from them, and that's kind of what I was looking for when they were taking on the Celtics in our preview on our show. I wondered whether or not they'd have the, the kind of tenacity, the grit to be able to fight and, can, you know, just be able to at least – keep on pace with the Celtics. And they certainly did that despite the early deficit. Now 14 in the first quarter, they rallied to wind up taking the lead by the end of that period. So it was absolutely a strong showing from them. Great offensive performances, great general contributions from everybody. And unfortunately, yes, they did wind up falling short, but still some positives to take from that, especially when you're not with Jimmy Butler in the lineup. Yeah, this is it. I think that, um, yeah, when you saw, you know, Tatum getting, I think, six or eight points in the first minute alone, um, going down, as you say, very big, you thought, wow, this could this could get ugly really quick because we didn't start yeah. well. But then yeah, it heats up. And 
as I say, we, uh, no, nobody's going to mind if you can take positives, especially when you look at earlier in the season where we defended very poorly. We've become back to being more known to what this Heat team is all about, which is defensive fir- defense first wins games. And all right, we didn't win this one, but it certainly became more of a Heat identity performance. Um, but offensively, David, um, one man that's really doing like shining through and finally giving us what we want after back-to-back 30-point games. Um, he then came in with a 23-point, I believe, game against Boston, but he's... he's his uh, whole aura was felt. He stamped his authority on this game again. Of course, I'm talking about Bam Adebayo. He is um, is becoming the guy that we want him to become very slowly, isn't he? Taking these 15 shots a game, which is what they said that he wanted, is now hitting that. Uh, he's making his presence felt in the paint. Um, what do you make of Bam's elevation, especially with Jimmy out the team right now? What do you make of his performances recently? He's been fantastic. I, I mean, Eric Spolster has talked about the level of responsibility that Bam has, that he does so much for this team, not just with his scoring, obviously, which we've seen of late, but also his passing and playmaking and his otherworldly defense. I mean, having to do so much, he is having an ex- an excellent season, and he's just been so good offensively. I, I love to see it. I- I've always appreciated what Bam could do, and I always tried to defend him from a lot of those naysayers who complained about the fact that he didn't put up X number of points or wasn't taking these shots because – I recognize his value in so many other aspects of the game, but to see him be this aggressive, this consistent, we're talking about a span of 10, 15 games where he's been very aggressive and looking to shoot. And yes, a lot of those coincide with the absence of Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler. And so somebody has to take those shots. You wonder how that's going to translate once Jimmy does return to the lineup. Uh, I think it's going to wind up being fairly positive. I'm sure we'll talk about that too, but I love seeing Bam and, and this level of consistent aggressiveness from him and the quality of shots too. Like he feels very comfortable, no hesitation on that jumper. He's got that little turnaround fadeaway that he's been so good at in the paint, the kind of pseudo hook shot that he's been taking over defenders. He uses its quickness and his strength so well, finishing so well at the rim too. That's been, uh, you know, the, the whole talk, about him was can he stretch his game out can he shoot from 18 to 20 feet maybe even from the three-point line he's turned it around and said you know what i'm just going to get my points in the paint and he's been very very good at it yeah and when you see that and you think that he's he's becoming that player and he will tell you that he's always had that and there's right. always been this little bit of a to and from where maybe it's spo that's been holding it back a bit because mm. you look at when you had obviously Duncan before Max in the in the um, starting five. There was always like you could tell the first player play of the game for Miami was always going to be Bam given with the dribble handoff, and that was it was almost like he looked for that first. There was always the let me see who I can get involved or pass to rather than be attacking and go to the rim. And now we're seeing that he's being that man, that guy again. And do you feel like? As I said, maybe it's more just to do with the fact that we're without Jimmy for a stretch, therefore he has to do that. Or do you think that this is now maybe being unleashed a little bit by Spo and there's a change tactically there? I don't, I, you know, I I'm, I don't know if you saw our most recent episode because we did address this because the Spo comments uh, really stood out in, in a recent piece by Roan Nodkarni of Sports Illustrated. I'm not sure if a lot of your listeners or viewers have seen it, but uh, he he did a really good piece on on Bam and one of the things that was included in there is that he's clashed with Spo in the past because of the level of responsibility and things of that sort. In my recent episode, I called BS on that because I remember doing a piece on Bam three years ago, and he was talking about the same thing, that he needs to be let off the leash. Those were his exact quotes by Eric Spolstra. And in the three years since then, yeah, I think he's had plenty of opportunities to be off the leash, but we just haven't seen that level of aggression from him. Like We've seen him hesitate and not take those shots. Now... I think we're seeing a different version of him where he says he recognizes I've got to take those shots because I'm a good skilled scorer at this NBA level and I can 
you know, hang with the best players in the league uh, from an offensive perspective. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a, just a matter of somebody has to take their shots with Jimmy and Tyler out. I don't think Spo has really reined him in. I don't think he's letting him loose either. I don't think it's any of that. I, I just think it's a combination of all these different factors. I can't I can't say it's one factor more than the other, at least not in my opinion. Do, do you think that Spo is letting him loose? Because I think these opportunities have been there over the last three years. Of just, we haven't seen that from Bam, at least not consistently to the level that we have this season. What do you think? I, I believe that with Bam, it's almost a self-belief thing where yep. I, I completely think he's got the tools. I think he believes he's got the tools, but I don't think he's that that alpha personality that believes that he can take over a game where he when he can. He can do it. We've, we've seen him do it. But I feel like he looks at your Jimmy Butlers and even your Tyler Harrows to think like, go on and you go. You're, you're the uppers. You go and get us the win. And yep. um, I think that Bam, you know, I think we'll come on to the Jimmy thing in a minute on how that works, but I just I just feel like if he I think recently he's seen that he can do it. It it, it works on the fact that if he can get that belief and he can put those numbers up, then that gives him the confidence to continue to do it. And it's almost like he's 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 found that recently. And maybe there is the the emphasis that he sort of has been pushed into it a little bit more without Jimmy and Tyler during stretches here. So he's had no choice but to do it. But I feel like it's more just a, a thing from him, his own mental self-belief that I believe that because he's not necessarily this alpha personality, that he, he hands it off the responsibility. Whereas now, I think this could be the turning point. I don't think he's ever going to be a box score, you know, jump off the sheet like a Jokic or an Embiid does. He's not going to regularly get you 35, 40 points a game like these guys can do. But I think that we, we will see this increase. He's averaging around a 20-point a game mark throughout his career. I think that he'll realise now that he's got it in him and it's time to deliver that um, where we can see him regularly put up around the, the, another, say, 25 points a game, et cetera, adding on to what he already gives us. Do you, I agree. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, and, and I also think, you know, one of the things that's being overlooked too is that Kyle Lowry's had a phenomenal impact on him. Like yeah. his playmaking, his just managing the game in general, the floor general nature of which he's still one of the best in the NBA in that sense. I think he's done a really, really good job of putting Bam in position. And we've seen a different version of Tyler when he came back from injury where his shot might not always be there. It was against the Celtics, at least for most of the game, but his playmaking has gone to another level. Like he's actively engaged in a pick and roll stats trying to get Bam easy looks at the rim because the offense just flows better when you have to worry about these multiple weapons out the floor. If he's not going to stretch the floor with a consistent level shooting, at the very least, you want him scoring, throwing off defenses, forcing mismatches. And because of his great passing, if you say you have an elite rim protector there, I still, I still think that there's another level for Bam where he can be aggressive and going through the hoop and still see cutters, guys open from the perimeter and things of that sort. So absolutely, I, I think we're seeing a, a different version from of BAM. And, and to your point, I hope that we continue to see this moving forward. Yeah, 100%, because it changes the, uh, yeah. the the sort of landscape of this team, if so. So um, we, we've seen that he's had this very good relationship with Tyler Harrow that, you know, these guys probably recognise that it's not going to be for long before it becomes their team. Um, and their relationship is very good, both on and off the, off the uh, court. Um, so we see that now. With Jimmy, I don't know whether or not, I can't remember if I saw it somewhere, but the stats are that they just don't seem to pass to each other much, especially Jimmy to Bam. Um, and do you feel like that, even though they're both elite players, that they can work together to, to and, and we're going to see that Bam continues to have these sort of games that we've recently seen with Jimmy Butler back on the court? I think so. I think we've seen from Jimmy in the past that he's, Probably, and I've made this comparison before, alongside LeBron James, probably the two best players in terms of 
kind of seeing what each game dictates from them because they're so good that they could be the playmaker. They could be the guy who kind of just sits back and says, okay, this is, I want to get Max going. I want to get Duncan going in the past, or I want to get somebody else going. And then if I'm needed to take over scoring, I can do so. I can impose my will in a game, slow it down, get to the line, create those good looks that he always does, knock down those easy jumpers from the mid-range and things of that sort. So I think we'll see if not necessarily a more deferring version of Jimmy Butler, maybe just one where he kind of waits and sees and, and tries to, you know, leaves the ball in Kyle's hand, maybe even Tyler's hands to some degree, and then have them work with Bam, get that pick and roll going early on, because I think that's just the most effective weapon. And then you kind of hit him with a one-two punch, right? Then when, when they're tired of Bam and Bam sits out early in the first quarter, Jimmy can take over or vice versa, depending on today's rotations. It's going to be interesting to see how Spo manages those. Uh, I think, I think, Jimmy can play alongside Bam just because of the nature of who he is as a player. He's such a great underrated playmaker. Uh, and of course, obviously his defense is so exceptional. And I, I'd, I'd like to see him coexist a little bit more effectively with this version of Bam. And I think we will see. I, I think both of them recognize um, they're not butting heads. Let's say the way that Jimmy and Tyler does, because unfortunately Tyler's one way nature is an offensive first and second and mostly type player kind of leaves you know them playing four and five basketball on the other end and i think that's caused some friction in the locker room to a certain yeah. degree uh i also think that you know he recognizes bam is an all-star and a great defensive player and everything else so i think he's more willing to defer to a guy like bam than he is to tyler i completely agree and you pivot me quite nicely then leading on to tyler harrow there because he's come back from injury after a little layout uh for on on it with, with his injury and um we see a little bit of initial rustiness, but now he's playing through that and he seems to be effective again, which is obviously what we know Tyler can do. He's, he's contributing at that end. But there has been sort of a debate season long already so far in his first season as an as a solid NBA starter now. And it's not necessarily to say that he can't be that player because he absolutely can. But there has been frictions and debate, of course, on Heat Twitter about whether his role is actually on this team better suited to being a sixth man. We saw that he was incredible in that role last year. His natural progression was to become a starter, and I believe he's done a very good job at that. But with now your Duncan and your Max Struess now obviously coming off the bench, that means Miami don't really have a true spacer on the court anymore. Of course, we know Tyler Hero can hit those shots, but that's not he's not a sharpshooter like Max is, for example, and do you feel like in that situation then that Miami are more effective as the five is that we're seeing with Tyler Harrow in? Or do you feel like it would be better with Max coming in? That we worked very well last year, got us to the got into the Eastern Conference Finals in that run. And then with with Tyler coming off the bench in that role that he performed so well in last year. I think it's unfortunately a yes and no answer. I think if you want to stand pat and, and prove to be very effective. Him coming off the bench is absolutely the best option. At the same time, the team's ceiling is significantly higher with him starting just because uh, he's such a great scorer, a, a three-level scorer and an elite in, in certain regards. And you know, as a catch-and-shoot player, uh, you know, those, those are incredible skills that he possesses as a unique scorer, probably the best scorer on this roster, albeit yeah. you know having to defer to guys like Jimmy and Bam on occasion. But I, I think he's got the most deepest offensive repertoire on the team and I think that's pretty evident. Having said that, you also need a, a more balanced version of Tyler. That's just the more effective version of him is him passing the ball, getting other players going as well, and then being able to create and maximize those shooting opportunities whenever they are there for him. So, you know, I, I, 
I kind of argued it when they were losing a lot early on that I just didn't see the fit as far as him being the starter. I recognize what a great scorer he is, but I thought with their bench struggling so much earlier in the season, him reverting back to that six-man role would be more effective. But I'm curious to see if we can get all these factors blended together. And that's been the the, the problem with the season is that with players in and out due to injury, we just haven't seen this team at full strength yet. And, and if you can get this team at full strength, if you get this version of BAM alongside what we, we know Jimmy can do consistently, and you get Kyle managing the game as well as he does, and then this incredible elite-level scorer and Tyler, this high-energy guy in Caleb who's evolved into a different kind of player and brought his own flair to the power forward position, I, I think we have a very, very good team there that's capable of reaching the Eastern Conference Finals, if not the NBA Finals. They really do believe that. It's just they just haven't meshed well to start the season. And maybe that'll happen, or maybe it won't, and only time will tell. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting one because when you look at the level of what we've seen from players like Caleb and Max coming off the bench, he's been fantastic. He's had multiple 20-point games himself and we've seen how Caleb is is offering a much more offensive uh, repertoire to what Miami Heat can do as opposed to what we had with PJ last year. Um, it is interesting and we haven't had at Victor Oladipo, we haven't had Yurtsev who may have helped as well in situations. So this team, as you say, have not been healthy. Uh, we've had Jimmy out, we've had Tyler out for long stretches. Um, so it, 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 I, I totally agree that the the, the shouldn't be lowered because of what this season's expectations were because we haven't had a chance to see it yet and with Tyler Hero um, I think again like alluding to your point there yeah I don't believe really at the moment we still haven't seen enough of it he's, uh, he's been in and out of the team I think when we've seen him in um, I think he's done very well and he, as you say um, a three-point scorer he can absolutely he is our best scorer because he's a three-level player like that so I, I think that it can work and I think most of all as well is it continues to raise this um, or elevate this this Bam and Tyler game that we're seeing. This understanding, it's it's becoming, it's blossoming and it's shining. And that's not going to happen as much if he's coming off of the bench. So I think that um, yeah, point. it just needs more time. So um, just coming on to some of those other guys, as you just said there, um, Caleb, Max Struess, etc. I mean, Caleb. I mean, I, I've I've said over the last week or so with these performances that just keep rolling in. 6.1 million, I believe, he's on this year. I think then 6.8 it might go to. Then 7.1 in year three. I mean, in terms of a value of, of contracts as opposed to contribution, and the fact that he can play in multiple positions and he can give you so much energy, A, I mean, your thoughts on him so far, but B, do you feel like it still needs to be somebody more specialised in that role to allow Caleb to do what maybe he's best at, and that gives you that energy off of the bench in the long run, maybe into the second half of the season? That's a tough question to answer. I think his season has been up and down. Obviously, he was battling through injury, too. He missed time as well. Just kind of fighting his place. I remember talking to him preseason and him telling me you know, that he, he felt comfortable, that he, he kind of bristled a little bit at some of the people saying he's playing out of position. He was ready and up for the challenge. At the same time, you could see that he was playing a little bit out of position. He was having a difficult time defending those kind of players. And, and, and I think they've done a really good job of – blending in different defensive schemes to maximize what he can do and having him play more on ball. He's been such a great point to have attack defender on ball handlers or top scorers and things of that sort. And I think we've started to see more of that, what we saw from the previous season, right? Where he was just an elite level perimeter defender who brings a, a special level of athleticism near the rim. Uh, and he can switch and, and he can hold his own against bigger players, but I don't think that's his strong suit, right? And and you have to kind of put him in that position with Jimmy out of the lineup or you're asking too much of Max or somebody else. That's not going to be ideal. 
Uh, overall, though, I think his season has been very, very good. I think you bring up a good point about his contract for all the talk about the bloated Duncan Robinson contract and whether or not that provides value. This is the exact other end of the spectrum where he's one of the better contract value contracts in the NBA. I think you're getting a high level score that's been productive, versatile, and does everything. He never questions anything. He never is a locker room problem. He's been a great presence there. I uh, really enjoys his role in Miami. And these are the kinds of things that I, I think a lot of Heat fans should focus on. Um, whether I think he should come off the bench, I don't know. That's, a, again, a tough question because I, I think when you have him as a starter, and look, I think we're kind of all just wired to think these are the way the positions should shake out. There are five positions on the floor and bigger lineups, but there are so many hybrid lineups around the NBA, small ball groups and things of that sort. As Spo often says, and I, I can't believe that I'm here, I am parroting him, but you play to your strengths, you find what you do well, and you make that, you impose your will on, on an opponent, not the other way around. You don't change to reflect what they do well. You you have them bend to what you do well. And with him in that lineup alongside Jimmy Bam, you've got three really versatile defenders, scores, passers, et cetera. We've seen another level from Caleb in terms of his playmaking. If you can get that out of Tyler as well, and we know what uh, Kyle can do as a starter, I, I think it's just a really effective group. Uh, and, and he's bringing his his spark. You know, he's bringing that energy just as a starter, and he's been very consistent in keeping it through for 48 minutes too. Uh, and and I, I think that's just his strength. I think that's what he can add to this lineup. So I, at this point, I could see the argument for wanting to bring him off the bench, but, I mean, who are you going to replace him with that's going to pr provide the same level of overall versatile impact? And, and to your point earlier, like, if you've got Max now coming off the bench, which that seems likely, then you've got an elite shooter coming off the bench as long as you as long as long you blend those rotations effectively. And we trust that Eric Spolster will figure it out. Then you have this kind of just incredible depth overall. You have just great level versatility, regardless of whichever lineup you throw out there. And that was the vision for this team, which is why a lot of people, again, complain about, oh, you didn't add a, a key player like Kevin Durant or Donovan Mitchell. It's not like they didn't try. I'm sure yeah. they did everything possible. It's not like people are just offering you superstars for a second-round pick or anything like that. So you kind of have to pump the brakes a little bit. They tried their best to get that superstar, but now you find what you can do well with this team. And I think, again, speed, versatility, uh, and just great offense and defense from both sides of the ball and from all, multiple players. So I think that's that's that strength, uh, I think, requires Caleb to be a starter, at least for now. I think that when you look at the last two minutes there and you just I would love to be able to clip something like that and put it out to people that just that just bitch and moan all the time about this team and how that we should be tanking and all the rest of it. Because you feel oh, like we get that a lot. We get that a lot. <laughs> You just feel like it's never going to happen. This team will never tank. We didn't even tank when we had, uh, yeah, when we was eleven and thirty to start a season. Right. We turned that around with players that are far inferior to what this team is now. And when you look at this team at full health, and you listen to how you just reeled off how fluid it can be, how versatile it is, and the fact that they still believe that this is a team that can go to the finals, um, yeah, it's just we just haven't been able to see it enough because we haven't had the tools to put out there to see it enough. So uh, yeah, brilliantly done. And on that note. David, we've still got one guy to come back we haven't seen all season, and that is Victor Oladipo. And I remember standing courtside with you on opening day and day game two, and we was watching him warm up as we've seen him watch, watch him warm up all through the season so far. And you sort of said to me that he wants to play. He just obviously the Heat are managing him cautiously, and you know uh, that that is obviously the right thing to do. But you said, look, he's he's ready. He wants to play now, and we're hearing more and more that there's rumours that. It doesn't seem to be too far away now. Have you got any light on it you can share with us? Or do you feel like 
you know, this is the man that will be that that can kick start the season, albeit maybe um, sort of in small samples as he gets his fitness back. I, I'm at a point, unfortunately, Dan, where I, I just don't know what to expect from Victor. I, I, I'd love to say that he's going to provide that spark because we know that he's capable of it. If, if what we saw last year and the glimpses, the brief glimpses that we saw from him, particularly on the defensive end or any indicator, he can still be an impact player. And we had high expectations that he was going to get stronger, that he was going to get better, that he'd have more experience this season. And then unfortunately he takes that step back and you kind of just have to play the waiting game again. So I, I don't know what to expect from Victor Oladipo. Yeah, to your point, he did want to play. He did want to go out there. And um, kudos to the team because they've, in the past, rushed guys out there too soon. They did it with Deion Waiters. They did it with Justice Winslow. And, of course, they wound up trading both of those players because, more or less, those were factors and, and against them. So I, I think, you know, in, in Victor Oladipo, they see potential there. I think they see, you know what, we don't care about games in November and December it's yeah. more about what you get from him in April, May, and beyond that, hopefully. And so my my vision, again, if you're being as optimistic as possible, and I tend to be more optimistic than not, I, I think you can get a high-level player who has to embrace his role off the bench. And that's a big question, too, because Victor told me that he was it was something that it was a difficult adjustment for him. And I don't think he's quite ready for that. I, I think you know, going to the preseason, he thought he was going to wind up being the starter, not Tyler. And, of course, it didn't play out that way. And so he has to embrace that role on his bench, on the bench. And, and that's fine. Like, again, he can impact games positively. And if he wants to rebuild his reputation league-wide, he can start doing it as a six-man. And so he has to be able to recognize that. That's difficult for a former All-Star, you know, a slammed-up participant, et cetera. Like, he, he, has, he has done a lot in his career, but these injuries have set him back, and he's just so hungry to go back out there and prove that he can be that player that he once was. And that's not realistic. Like, even if he was healthy, that's not realistic. I mean, as players always like to say, uh, you know, father time is undefeated. And, and he is an older, injured player at this point. And so he has to change the expectations for himself and recognize his role and star in it. And I think if he does embrace that six-man role, you get that high-level defender. You get somebody who can create plays, attack the rim, um, you know, provide shot opportunities for himself and others. And that's, again, more of that same versatility that we were just talking about. And you've got that. If you can get that version of Victor Oladipo, then I think the Heat team can be very, very dangerous. Because, again, you're looking at five high-level versatile starters. You get versatile players off the bench. You get spacing with Max Struess and Duncan Robinson. Eventually, you get Omer Yertsevin back, and you've got some size there and quality rebounding, a little bit more youth and athleticism than Dwayne Dedman. That's a really good balanced roster. And, and so I, I think, again, to, to stay positively, if you can get that version of Victor, then this team suddenly becomes much, much more effective and, and much more dangerous. Yeah, I think that with Victor um, in the preseason, obviously he had the successful operation. He had a he had a productive postseason with the Heat, and then of course after his first long, you know, that his rest through uh, through the off season, he came back with this revenge tour, and he's gonna he still believes he is one of the best players in the league, and he can still play to an all star level. And I think what you're saying is really spot on. It's great to have that belief in yourself, and that you can still you know, win games and become that player um, that you once were. But if the Miami Heat can just get a somewhere in the middle, you know, from as you say, he's an older injured player now. And if you can get him playing well, 
being productive and giving you that 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 offense and defensive uh, you know punch both ends and then yeah adding that to the rest of the roster could be the change of what goes forward here um so we think fingers crossed for Vic I'm really delighted to see that he's almost back um but yeah absolutely right the heat as you say no point rushing him through games in October November let's get him let's get him fit and healthy and make sure that he's good because he can have a role on this team for sure final question for you David as we are at the quarter mark of the season 22 games 21 games whatever it's on at the moment um and um you know i, I want to just get your thoughts on what's the one thing the one glaring thing that you believe that this team needs to get better at as we currently sit at 10 and 12 right now um we've had a relatively tough start to the season and after boston it starts to soften up a little bit so we can certainly look forward over the next week to 10 days, two weeks maybe, where we can start to maybe get into a positive uh, rating in this uh, in the standings. Um, but, of course, apart from get healthy, what's hmm. the one thing that you think this team needs to improve at? Uh, it's a tough question because uh, they, they have shown a lot more glaring weaknesses than I would have thought during those early games when they were struggling so much and they just lacked any kind of clear identity, even when they were allegedly healthy you know i'm still missing victor and omer but at the same time still mostly healthy in that starting lineup and they just did not look good they just did not look like they were meshing well uh i i could point to the three-point shooting uh and say that that's something that they've done so well over the last few seasons and we saw against boston right where they're if they're able to shoot that well obviously they'll be able to contend with anybody they'll be able to to keep pace and, and, and score at a high level and that creates so many opportunities for themselves because it opens up their offense you don't know who you have to guard it creates all these mismatches and things of that sort their three-point shooting has been really really poor considering how good they were at it the last couple of seasons uh having said that i still think it's rebounding i really do i, I it's not just because of rebounding in the sense that yeah you want to be able to pull down those boards but it creates second chance points, something that they've been woeful at. It also limits transition opportunities for your opponent. And I think that's been a, a really big problem for Miami. It's just you're, you're giving up way too many points because you just can't pull down a board. And we've seen in some of their stronger games this season where they have that gang mentality approach to rebounding. That's been most effective for them. If you can get a lot of rebounds from Kyle, Tyler, Caleb, et cetera, Max, you know, you get these guys who can find a way to contribute pull down those boards, keep big men off the board. You know, I, I think it's, it's again, it, it limits fast break opportunities, limits second chance points. Uh, and I think that's where you can at least keep pace, uh, try to just, you know, limit the opportunities that an opponent has. That's, that's your best bet. You don't want to, you know, I remember rebounding being de-emphasized during the big three era. Yeah, because you had three elite level scorers and a well-balanced roster around that that could score at a high level. Who, who cares if you're giving up a ton of rebounds? You're shooting 50-something percent from the field. It doesn't really matter. This isn't that team, obviously. They don't have that kind of talent. So you've got to be able to, to you know, just mitigate giving up those opportunities to an opponent. So I would say it's the rebounding edge. Do you have a, a point of emphasis that you'd like them to change over the course of the season? I think that you've analysed that beautifully. I mean, you sort of pointed the, the sort of three main things that I saw. And that was when I was in Miami, obviously, for the start of the season. As you say, we was relatively healthy at that point. Um, and yet the fit, it looked like they'd never played together. It was, it was there was no energy with it. No one really yeah. understood their roles properly. It was just like, you wasn't even having to play well to beat the Heat. And that's very unlike us. And uh, so I'm glad we seem to have sorted that out a little bit. And we feel like that that... There's a bit of chemistry back there. Rebounding has been a problem all season. As you say, it's not been an issue. But yeah, transition, I think transition defense has been poor. And I feel like the 
that that's a combination of those things as we get healthy again, as Jimmy gets back into the lineup, gets through, um, you know, some initial rustiness, which is bound to happen. I think that we're going to start to see the uh, the imprint of this team and its DNA sort of flow through now because, yeah, we've gone through sort of stages here where the fit didn't look right, then the rebounds are an issue. And it, uh, the three-point shooting was another thing that you brought up, which is very, very important. I feel like they're all getting better slowly. And I think perhaps now, as, we, as we're at a quarter-point stage, if we can have a good December then we can reapproach trade deadline. Who knows what happens there? Mm-hmm. This season can turn on its head very quickly because the fundamentals are there. Um, so um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting interesting time. So uh, yeah, excellent excellent stuff, David. Um, really really enjoyed that episode as always. Um, as you say, we've got a we've got Boston again tonight. Then I think we got. A winnable stretch coming up. Um, so coming into sort of the Christmas Day games, just very quickly, do you feel like at that point you'd be disappointed if the Heat aren't at a plus rating in the standings? Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think that's not you know managing expectations again. Uh, if you're right now, you're ten and twelve. You got that game against Memphis at Memphis, then you come back home right uh, against a Detroit team that's shown some pluckiness and spirit there, but you should still beat them, especially at home and some eminently winnable games. Just piece them two together. Don't look ahead too far in the standings. It's not about catching up to Boston. That's never mattered for this Heat team, nor should it. It's about winning three games in a row. Then you take a loss. Then four games in a row, maybe take a loss, et cetera. Just start winning multiple games back-to-back so that you can continue to build your identity and your momentum, especially as you're heading towards the All-Star break. And I think once we're going to see an evolution from this team. I, I still think they're on pace for their 45 to 48 wins. And considering how badly they started off the season, I think you'd take it right now as a Heat fan. Definitely would do. Um, brilliant stuff. Really, really enjoyable. And it's sort of it's got me more excited now talking to you there about about how good this team can be. And that's always a good thing because I'm like you. I'm always trying to stay positive, but sometimes when you see the performances and you see what's going so wrong, it's sure. difficult to lift yourself out of that. And hopefully, our listeners will listen to this and go, you know what. This is actually a good team, despite what the records say as we sit in 11th or 12th place, whatever it is right but now. So don't David, let them hold it against me, though, if I, they don't find out. If they, if, they, if they wind up getting an injury and wind up losing 20 games in the next 30, it's not my fault. I had nothing to do with it. it it's all your <laughs> fault. Absolutely. Um, David, where can everybody find you, my man? Oh, they can find me at Twitter at DRamil13, or they can also follow us at Lockdown Heat. You can catch our show wherever you download podcasts and on YouTube. That's available for everybody. Help get our subscription numbers up, and we love reaching all our listeners across the globe. So uh, make sure to stay tuned for daily content on your Miami Heat. It is your one-stop daily show. It is the best. So, yes, please do that. If you're a new UK listener, especially new to the sport, new to us, please go and check out Lots on Heat because the, the analysis with David and Wes is just it's just brilliant. And you get that every single day. So, please go and follow them. That'll do for episode 85, guys. We are back next week. Hopefully, we've either Brady or Ethan. I'll get one of the five reasons, guys, on um, hopefully celebrating some more wins. Until next time, guys, take it easy. You've been listening to Heating Up the UK. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube channel, Miami Heat UK TV, for our latest shows and fun content. That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Thanks for listening.